Hello and welcome back to our podcast where we ask Pastor Jeremy anything. Today we are going to talk about a heresy and for those who are new to this term, a heresy is an opinion or a doctrine contrary to what the church believes. So there is a movement going on that claims since grace has completely covered you, there is no accountability for wrong and further no need for confession or repentance and it also assumes eternal security. Pastor Jeremy, can we talk about this? Thank you, Nat. Good to be back on this podcast talking about uh, questions that, that burn in our hearts and clarify our doubts so that we know what we believe and be stronger in our faith. And not just that, but be able to defend our faith and have an answer for the hope that is in us. I trust everyone's doing great and that you will actually write in and respond and create a bit of a, a conversation so that we could take this further because that's what it's all about. That's what this podcast is all about. Thanks for bringing this up. There are a lot of wrong teachings, wrong doctrines. A doctrine means teaching uh, or something that we hold on to as a truth. And um, there's a lot that has gone haywire as the years have progressed since Jesus came and went. And when a church seeks to compromise with its own sinful nature or its culture around it or its threats, that is persecution or whatever, when when a church compromises, the first thing that is affected is the pulpit. The first thing that's affected is the teaching. When a church gives in to the need for popularity or the need for money or the need for, for numbers uh, and starts playing the earthly game of success, uh, the first thing to go is the teaching. The first thing that gets tweaked is the teaching. Then there is what we call wolves in sheep's clothing, where Satan deliberately sends his emissaries as teachers of falsehood, dressed as children of light, to go into the ministry. And over a long period of time, you actually have these guys who look and sound absolutely genuine, but it's lurking within them. And when the time is right, the lies comes out. And they are, by that time, the audience is hooked and the false doctrine comes in so smooth you didn't see it coming in. In fact, it makes perfect sense. And it's all wrapped up in the love and grace of God and that you are not able to decipher it. You're not able to discern it. And that's where the Spirit of God gives us discernment. It gives us the ability to know truth from lies, even lies within what looks and sounds like absolute truth. And in these last days, my brother and my sister, we have to be extra careful and we have to be extra alert because the, the devil is out there trying to deceive the very elect. He's trying to take people right out the church, right out the hands of God and take them back to his fold. So you and I have an obligation to our own salvation and our own belief and to protecting those who are weaker around us. Uh, let's call them spiritual babies, to make sure that spiritual babies around us get a chance to actually grow and get strong. Of these many, you have just mentioned one, and we have termed it the hyper-grace movement. You may or you may not have heard of it, but it's diabolical. It is dangerous. It is a lie from hell. And we have to be very, very careful about it. And it's very subtle in its approach. And it is not coming to you from social media, through pop stars and through music and through culture. It is coming to you straight from the pulpit. Straight from the pulpit. 
and many pastors are being listened to on podcasts on on uh, you know on downloadable sermons on youtube many pastors are very accessible now and believers who are hungry for the word hungry for a good message are listening right left and center but you have to be careful and you have to have your playlist vetted to be sure that they are the right people to be listening to often times they are out and out because by the time they get to teaching you that they have already abandoned most traditional doctrines and most traditional convictions so it's not that hard to tell them apart to spot them out let's get into it i am not going to explain to you hypergrace as much as i want to explain to you what our stand is and where what our position is what we believe and what we hold on to the hypergrace movement remember that all movements and all heresies are built on previous heresies they are morphed and constantly evolving over time and not everybody knows exactly all that it involves and not everybody believes everything you know what i mean some churches would go down let's say 25% into it 50% into it and because it's up for grabs and it's not in scripture it's all about you know anyone's conviction and how far they have quote unquote experienced it so the hypergrace movement is essentially a way of thinking that has developed over a period of time taking grace and mercy and openness and forgiveness and 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 acceptance to a whole new level it's all born out of the come as you are thought you know the come as you are attitude uh, we want to swing our doors open because of churches that have been so closed minded churches have been traditional churches have been exclusive churches have been closed and we are like no we are the we are the enlightened ones we we are the ones who want to swing our doors open we want everybody to come in we want the world to have access you know to the gospel and with a great attitude like that with a wonderful first desire like that you know an intention like that we have thrown the doors wide open and call people in now when they come in we're supposed to be giving them the gospel but what has happened over the years as pastors have grown weaker speakers have grown weaker doctrines have grown weaker and the pulpit has moved to the side and worship and music and experience has has uh, taken the stage our message of the gospel has been diluted in its concept of grace the hypergrace movement essentially takes grace all the way to the point where grace has been given to you and again i said i'm not teaching on hypergrace i want to teach you what we believe but you could do the uh, research on this the hypergrace movement says grace has been granted to you with such abundance and lavishness that you no longer need to even consider your sin look at your sin even bring it up so when people are coming into the church we don't want to talk about sin we don't want to address sin we don't want to nail sin we don't want to call out sin we need to focus on forgiveness and acceptance and everybody come as you are the unfortunate thing about that is when they come as they are they also stay as they are because they don't feel the need to change and tolerance words like tolerance words like judgmental start popping up when you call out people on their sin when you come to christ you are to lay your sin at the foot of the cross when you come to christ on a daily basis 
you are to confess your sin and get right with God. So let me get you to where we are. What do we believe? First of all, we do not believe in the hyper-grace movement, no matter how much you know about it. So we do not believe in it. We do not follow it. We do not subscribe to it. In fact, we teach against it. That said, what do we believe? We believe that sin is completely covered. We believe that all sin is against God, and God in his sovereignty, and God in his omniscience and omnipotence, knowing everything, and being all-powerful, and knowing what he can accomplish in the future, what is going to happen in the future, sent Jesus to the cross to cover the bill of our sin for all time, for all people, for all sin. Because sin is offense against God. And he knows the sin of all people of all time over all actions. So he was able to have Jesus take on flesh, be the Lamb of God, shed his precious divine blood holy blood and wash our sin clean as a covenant, as a covenant. Not every sinful act is covered. Our sinful nature itself is covered. Therefore, all sins, sinful actions under that nature are also covered. So the act of atonement is once and for all, Hebrews chapter 9. And God has sent Christ and has covered it. So the act of grace for salvation has been granted once and for all. Right? Got it. So that means all sin is potentially forgiven. All sin is covered by the grace of God and is paid for. Is paid for. What is the role of the Holy Spirit and what is the ask of the believer? The role of the Holy Spirit has been given to the believer to help the believer see their physical sinfulness, their carnal brokenness, and to yearn for spiritual perfection, which they already have. So we are an already not yet, already not yet salvation, sanctification. We are an already not yet perfection. We are already not yet sainthood. So we have been called saints, but we are becoming saints. We have been called perfect, but we are becoming perfect. We have been called holy, but we are becoming holy. So there's an already not yet. And this simply means that God in his sovereignty has decided that by the end of our, when he's done with us, we will be perfect and we'll be presented blameless unto God. And for that, Jesus came and died. In doing that, he now moves into what is known as a sanctification process. He, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He takes us, gives us the Holy Spirit so that on a daily basis, we are dealing with our sin. We are calling it out. He is pointing the areas of our brokenness, of our rebellion, of our wickedness, of our decay. And we, knowing that it is forgiven, with the, with the, with the assurance and the joy and the confidence that it is covered, I bring my bills to Christ. I bring my bills to Christ, knowing that there is a blank check that will cover it. But I bring my bills to Christ. If I don't bring my bills, I'm living a hidden life. I'm living a hidden life. That means I don't want to tell anybody what wrongs I've done, which means I don't want to deal with it, which means I don't want to change. Okay? So what does 1 John say? When we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God and with each other. 
But if we say that we have not sinned, we lie. And we also make him a liar. But if we confess our sin, if we confess our sin, if we confess our sin, that means we call it out. We call it out. We agree with God. When the Holy Spirit touches on our on something we're doing wrong, an attitude, a word, an action. We call it on like, yes, Lord. Yes, you are absolutely right about that, Lord. That stinks. I don't like that, Lord. I don't like it and I don't want, I want to not like it as much as you don't like it. I want to hate it as much as you hate it. Lord, take it away from me. Search me. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Cleanse me. This is the prayer. This is the cry. This is the song of the believer throughout his days. No, he's not sitting there focusing on his sin. He's focusing on the grace of God, but he's enjoying that grace by giving up the bills to God, by giving up the, the expenses to God, by giving up the damage to God. And when you confess your sin, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins from all unrighteousness, from all unrighteousness. He covers us and he restores us. Here's the bottom line. God wants us to be good managers of our sin. He wants us to keep short accounts. That means he wants us to keep and do the data entry real quick and, and, and send your bills up to God quickly so that nothing is hidden. Because when you allow it to be hidden, you're living in the dark. And when you're living in the dark, you're fellowshipping with those who are in the dark. Now what happens when you come into the light? Everything's exposed. But when you know that the light is a safer place than the dark, when you know that everything is being covered, then you have the confidence to come into the light. I submit to you that the hypergrace movement exists because they live in the dark and they know that they are not forgiven. They know that they do not have salvation and therefore they are afraid to come into the light. For all who sin, all who hate God, all who hate God's righteousness, love darkness and those who love darkness hate to come into the light and they even hate the people of the light. And they'll call you judgmental, they'll call you, uh, you know, uh, finger pointing, they'll call you all sorts of uh, names, but the fact is that they don't want to deal with sin. How many of us sin? All of us. How often do we sin? All the time. Is there a day that goes by when there's no sin in our life? No. Every one of us sin and all our sin stinks. No sin stinks more than anybody else's. We don't like other people's sin, of course, a lot more than we don't like ours. But we have got to come to terms with the fact that we are a community that is constantly sinning our work is to keep people near the cross. So that is. So that's the role of the Holy Spirit. That's the role of the communion. Why we have communion regularly. So that we may search ourselves and, and eat and drink. And examine ourselves and eat and drink. That's the role of the cross. The empty cross stands there empty. So that you can keep going back to it. And saying, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Now, what's going to happen when you are living in that kind of a life? You're ready to pray. You're ready to pray anything. You're confident to ask anything of God. God wants this. And this is what scripture says. And this is what we believe. Any doctrine or church that encourages you to ignore sin, yours or anybody else's, and not deal with it, not call it out, not ask for repentance, not ask for a sorry, is heresy. It's a wrong teaching. Let me take you to the point of salvation too. If you think you're a Christian and you've never stopped and asked God to forgive you of all your sin, called yourself a sinner in the sight of God and his angels, and you have never handed your 
sin over to God and say, I can't pay for this. Can you please pay for it with your blood? If you have never done that, you've never said sorry, but you think you're a Christian because you were born in a Christian family, you know, or you go to church, but you've never repented of your sin, I want to tell you that you are not a Christian. Your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have not made a covenant with God. You have not turned from your wicked ways. In fact, you're just hoping that just by sticking around with church and by, uh, by taking Jesus' name, everything will just fall in place. Don't, uh, don't be confident that you believe who Jesus is. Everyone who will eventually believe that, and Satan already believes it. You need to make him your Lord. You need to make him your Lord. You need to acknowledge that what he did on the cross is for you. And you need to call out your sinful character and say, Lord, I choose to not live in a life of sin anymore. I don't want sin to rule me anymore. Help me. Forgive me. If you have not had that experience, I invite you to do it right now. Right now, as you're listening to me, what you can do, what you can pray right now is, Father God, I've claimed to be a Christian all my life, but I've never ever said sorry to you. I've never ever acknowledged that I'm a sinner. Even alcoholics acknowledge they're alcoholics. I have never acknowledged I'm a sinner. I've just taken for granted that you forgive me when I never even said sorry. I don't even forgive people who say sorry to me. Lord, how can I expect you to have forgiven me? I can only be assured of your forgiveness when I have said sorry. Today, today I choose to ask you for forgiveness for all of my sin that I've ever done and I've ever, I will ever do. Cover me with the blood of Christ. Cleanse me. Put your spirit in me and help me begin a lifestyle of moving into the light, living in the light, living in openness with you so that my sin doesn't rule me anymore, but your righteousness does. And thank you for giving me a gift of righteousness as a gift, as a, as a free deposit to my account so that I am as pure as Jesus so that I can go to heaven while you cleanse me to become like Jesus while I'm on earth. I acknowledge my sin unto you, Psalm 32 verse 5. I acknowledge my sin unto you and mine iniquity I have not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Revelations 3.19 As many as I love I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Luke chapter 13 verse 3 I tell you, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. 1 John 2.23 Whoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father. He, has, he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Bring forth therefore the fruit that meets for repentance. Bring forth therefore fruit that meets for repentance. Matthew chapter 3 verse 8. This is the scriptures and scripture calls us to that. Beware, be alert, be repentant. If you decided to make a decision today to acknowledge Christ as your Lord and Savior and to, and to surrender your life to Him, if you have made that faith, you could have been a Christian all your life, you may not even be a Christian, you may be something else. But if you've made that decision today, write to me. Write to me and tell me so that we can begin your discipleship process of helping you understand how the Holy Spirit now is going to make you like Jesus and cleanse you and prepare you for His coming. Write to me at pstjeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, pstjeremy at gmail.com. 
and I would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk you through uh, discipleship. I hope to hear from you. That was some well-grounded content and a lot to think about. Let's further this conversation in the comments. Alternatively, you can write to us at bstjeremy at gmail.com and we'll see you in the next podcast.